Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action. Laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. One week in the books. It's on to week two. Alex Gold, Grant Paulson with you. Grant, I, I must admit, you wasted no time, unfortunately, to get yourself a bad beat right out of the gate, my man. Horrible, horrible beat, thanks to the good folks in Detroit and the Lions, who <laughs> got blown out just as I thought. Game script went exactly as I anticipated with San Francisco. They got manhandled. But then they did the ever so popular touchdown two-point conversion onside kick touchdown two-point conversion and they pulled within <laughs> the margin with a 15-point comeback while the 49ers took their foot off the gas pedal this is why you got to think twice before you put these bets in with these big numbers no question and i guess you got to step right into the start of this football season with the bad beat hopefully that's a good sign actually for you going forward that you got that bad beat out of the way and we'll all be good I, I, at least I, I didn't have a bad beat. I, I certainly had my Minnesota Vikings pick last week where uh, they ended up going down in overtime to the Cincinnati Bengals. I was really surprised with that. I know we'll talk about Cincinnati with uh, around the league and their upcoming game and an impressive win for Joe Burrow and company. Maybe I guess it says more about the Minnesota Vikings. The one thing I will say last week, they allowed me to come back on this show, Grant, because the Texans did not make me look like a complete idiot against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They went outright. They, of course, covered the spread. And Urban Meyer now, everybody thinks, might be headed to USC. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere other than the last place in the standings in the AFC South this year. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, we found out in a matchup of them and the Texans, got outclassed somehow. So all the talk this offseason about Houston picking first overall, we may need to recalibrate a little bit. I wouldn't throw a party yet in Houston. I can't imagine they're going to win more than a handful of games. But as they uh, once said, we're not the worst. We're not the worst, right? <laughs> the, the Jaguars get that distinction. That's right. Hey, look, the, the Texans did all I need them to do last week. That all I needed this week. I don't need them to do anything for me. They're massive underdogs against the Cleveland Browns. I'm not touching that game whatsoever. I'm not going to get too greedy, even though it's a huge line there involving the Browns and the Texans. Of course, there was Thursday night football as well and it saw your washington football team there in your part of the the, the country get a win on thursday night I, I don't know how you do it i i don't know how you watch nfc east football this much we're all watching but you're covering it on a regular basis just a a, a brutal display of football at times there and uh joe judge i don't know how he still has a job by the end of this season 
Yeah, I mean, it's year two for him. It's still early, right? So that's how he's got it for now. But they have to turn some things around big time for him to be in good standing at the end of the year. Uh, Jason Garrett would be the guy I wouldn't want to be right now, their offensive coordinator with all their new weapons. And yet somehow their passing game still goes through Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton after they drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round and spent a bunch of money on Kenny Galladay. But yeah, Washington got a massive 30-29 to 29 win. How do I watch the NFC East all the time? It's like asking a guy who's got an old beater of a car driving to and from school. Like, why? How do you like that car? It's what I got, man. You got to put, like, a nice CD player in it or something. You got to spruce it up as best you can. It's not always fun, but it's football. And that was actually a really entertaining game. Two very mediocre teams were playing in it. But the one-point thriller, the 59 points well over the total in that game, Washington turns to Taylor Heineke for the first time this season. He throws for 336 in a pair, clearly has command of Scott Turner's offense. Heineke was with him in Minnesota and in Carolina and now in Washington, mostly as a backup or a practice squad guy. But he's getting his shot, and this is going to be a fun story. The Giants are 0-2. Washington squeaks out the win 1-1. That was a pretty gross game at times for sure. We got people chanting Heineke's name there in postgame. Quite the, quite the scene after the win for the Washington football team. All right, though, we got a full slate of games to get to. Let's go around the league. And let's start with New England and New York. It's the Patriots' six-point favorites. I think this is the time where we see Mac Jones get the first win of the season, the first rookie quarterback, starting quarterback, that is. I know Trey Lance was on a winning team last weekend, but really the first rookie starting quarterback. I think it does happen here. The Jets are just too banged up on that offensive line, man. Minus six for New England, over-under set at 42-and-a-half. This game is in the Meadowlands, but I do like New England in this game this is to me one that bill belichick has to have if we we want to go back to our conversation we had a week ago is bill belichick going to to actually miss the playoffs two years in a row well for that not to happen they've got to make sure they win games like this and this is one of them yeah mac jones versus zach wilson you're right one of those rookies has to get a win denver jacksonville one and oh broncos oh and one jags we talked about how bad jacksonville was broncos six point favorites totals 45 and a half Denver punted once after their first drive against the Giants, and they led them by 20 points at one point. They have lost Jerry Judy for a couple of months, so the offense might not be quite as explosive. Jacksonville will not be favored again this year. I don't know how they could be. They gave up 37 to the Texans. They trailed by 27 at one point. This line, by the way, moved four points last week. People really liked what they saw from Denver and are very scared about Jacksonville. Vic Fangio is going to have Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos 2-0 after this one against Jacksonville. You go over to Buffalo, they're on the road taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Buffalo Bills favored by 3.5. The total set at 47.5. I think we were all surprised that the Bills lost outright last week to Pittsburgh, but maybe not so much that it was a close game. I think that was one of your picks, if I'm not mistaken, that you had the Steelers covering against the Buffalo Bills. So people thought it could be closer, but surprising loss for Josh Allen and company. They got to bounce back here. I expect them to bounce back in a big way on the road against a Dolphins team that did get a win right out of the gate. And all this pressure, all these questions about Tua, at least for one week, he uh, he lived up to the expectations if he wants to be that franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think this is a huge game for Buffalo. I, I saw a regression coming, coming into the year AFC Championship game last year, but you can't start 0-2. And we can get deeper into Tua. I thought they won in spite of him this past week, 17-16. I don't see it with him, and I didn't even in their win. Uh, The 49ers looking to get to 2-0 against the upstart Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe the biggest surprise 
stunner of week one was how great they looked with Jalen Hurts. 49ers, three-point favorites. Total just under 50 at 49 and a hook. San Francisco was up 24 with two minutes left. We talk about the horrendous beat I took against Detroit with the 15 points late for the Lions in the final minute and 50 seconds or so. But the 49ers averaged eight yards per play. We've been introduced to their running back, Eli Morgan, who's going to fill in well, I think, for Raheem Mostert. You know, the Shanahan running game, bro. It's just pluck somebody off of an assembly line, and then they go for a buck 15. For Philadelphia, they outgained Atlanta by 200. They were really impressive. Their defense held the Falcons to 4.1 yards per play. The look-ahead line here initially was five. It's down to three and a half. So the action and, and the thought here is, this game's going to be tighter than we anticipated a week or so ago. I think that's maybe an overreaction to how the Eagles played against the Falcons. I'm with you on that point right there. It was against the Atlanta Falcons. Let's keep that in mind. I do like what I saw from Devonta Smith. We'll talk more about him perhaps later in some of our Sunday studs. Next up, how about the Los Angeles Rams on the road taking on the Indianapolis Colts? The Rams three and a half point favorites. That total set at 48 and a half. It was an awfully impressive debut for Matthew Stafford in the Rams. You could not have asked for a better start. They were able to get everybody involved. Now they go to take on a Colts team that suddenly is trying to avoid going 0-1, 0-2, excuse me, to start the season. They have a left tackle in Eric Fisher who's back, but they're rushing him back from an Achilles injury. I'm fascinated to see how this is going to pan out for them. The Rams at three and a half. This is one of those that's a little tricky for me heading into this game. I thought about potentially placing one of my picks on this game because I like what I saw from the Rams. But this has all the makings of like what are the, the surprise wins for the Colts. I'm down on the Colts all year, but I, I think this might be one that uh, they get some people this week because you see what the Rams did on Sunday night and how can you not how can you not like it? But this seems like a tricky one that can come and get you. I worry about them protecting Wentz against Aaron Donald in this front. Hit 10 times, sacked three times, to your point, with some of their O-line issues. How about the Raiders beating the Ravens in prime time? Las Vegas is in Pittsburgh. Someone's going to be 2-0. and The Steelers are minus 6.5. The total's 46.5. Both of these teams got upset wins. And Pittsburgh, as you talked about with Buffalo, held the Bills to 16 points. They blocked the punt. I mean, they have offensive issues, but it didn't matter in week one. And Vegas is dealing with a short week on the road, usually ominous. I usually stay off of teams traveling on a short week. But Derek Carr was unbelievable in the second half as they came back to beat Baltimore. They put up 500 yards of offense. They're going to have to throw the ball to someone other than Darren Waller, though, right? This go-around, I mean, the amount of targets Waller got were incredible. He had a great stat line, what, 10 catches, 105 yards against Baltimore. But it certainly uh, is going to have to be somebody else like Henry Ruggs getting involved, I think, in this one. Uh, the next game, how about Cincinnati at Chicago? The Bears minus 2.5, the total set at 45.5. Uh, Cincinnati got the win last week, as we know, uh, against uh, the Minnesota Vikings here. I, I think for Chicago, again, you if you're a Bears fan, you want this to be a loss. This would might be a loss at home that gets Justin Fields in the game some more. Andy Dalton was terrible. I don't know what we're doing here in Chicago. If you are considering still going ahead and put money on the Bears, I, I just don't know how I stay away from this game. How can I put money on Andy Dalton, even at home? Yeah, it's hard to. And if you're a Bears fan, you're right. At this point, you're just – Rooting for whatever gets you to fields. Texans and the H Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. So Houston, we talked about, blew out Jacksonville. Surprise look on week one in their performance. Cleveland 0-1, lost to the Chiefs, but looked good doing it. Browns are minus 13. This is a huge number. One of three games with double-digit spreads this weekend. Texans coming off gaining 449 yards in week one. I liked what Tyrod Taylor did in this offense. He looked comfortable. The Browns, though, 
shouldn't be slept on. They did some good things at Arrowhead. They led 22 to 10. They were up 29, 20. They gained 457 yards and they did it without really committing to the run. It was a lot of Baker Mayfield, which last year meant that they weren't going to move the ball that much, but uh, they were able to without Odo Beckham Jr. So I like the Browns a ton, but this is a big number. Yeah, Cleveland's going to be just fine. I mean, they, they go into Arrowhead, and as you pointed out, I mean, you have the, the muff punt. Otherwise, who knows how that game goes as well. Their defense, uh, as expected, was going to give up some points to Kansas City, but my opinion on Cleveland doesn't change based on last week's result. But I stay away from a, a spread this big. Houston, 13-point underdogs. Uh, next up, how about New Orleans? They were one of the surprises last week. Jameis Winston with five touchdown passes. They blow out the Packers. The Saints on the road, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Carolina. Oh, I, I, what, what am I missing here with this game, Grant? What am I, what am I missing? Because I, I Carolina got a win last week against the Jets. I know they're the home team here, but I, I love New Orleans once again. Maybe people are going to overreact to the win against the Packers. I, I think New Orleans absolutely should be more than a three-and-a-half-point favorite here against Carolina. I didn't see a whole lot from Sam Darnold. There was still bad decision-making in the, in the red zone as well. Division game on the road, I would say. And, you know, yeah. some of it for New Orleans was that they got three turnovers on defense. I don't know how sustainable that is. Jameis threw for five touchdowns, but if you look at their offense efficiency, it wasn't at that level. I mean, he didn't even throw for 200 yards. So I, I get where we're at with the line. I would take New Orleans minus three and a half, to your point. How about uh, Arizona, Dateline next, where the Vikings play the Cardinals. Vikings lose to the Bengals. He referenced the game 0-1, overtime setback, Dalvin Cook fumble. Arizona's 1-0. The Cardinals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. The total's 50-and-a-half. Minnesota's got to be able to run the ball. That, that's the whole deal and story for them is they've got one of the great backs in this league. They got just 61 rushing yards, went 3-14 of 14 on third down. Cousins was really good, brought them back late. They were down 14. He forced overtime, but it wasn't enough for the Cardinals. They were a three-point dog against the Titans, and they won 38-13. I mean, that was as lopsided and impressive a win as we saw in week one. They outgained Tennessee 416 to 248 on the road, and now they get to come home to play the Vikings. Let's go to the NFC South. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Of course, the Falcons lost last week to the Eagles, and we got to go all the way back to, to last Thursday for that Bucs season opener and their win against the Dallas Cowboys. The Bucs, 12.5-point favorites. The total set at 51.5. I just was not impressed by Arthur Smith's offense last week. I thought that first drive of the game that they had, I was impressed. They, they controlled it. Mike Davis was running the ball effectively. After that, they really struggled offensively against an Eagles team that I, I really don't think is all that good, despite how good they looked against the Falcons. I didn't think it says a lot about that Falcons team. I, I would like for them to get Kyle Pitts more involved in this football game against the Bucs, but I think Tampa Bay uh, has no problem with Atlanta in this game. Like you said about that Houston-Cleveland game, though, 12-and-a-half, that is a big number. I stay away from this game. I think this has backdoor cover written all over yeah. it, to be honest. Yeah. Division game, 12-and-a-half, and I think we're overreacting to just how awful the Falcons were in week one. Like, their offense is not that bad. They scored six points. Uh, they lose by 26. The look-ahead line here was seven, and it's almost doubled. I mean, that's ridiculous. That screams overreaction to me. Tampa Bay in week one turned the ball over four times, had 11 penalties. You saw all the signs of maybe that kind of malaise for a Super Bowl team that could be there to look past the Falcons. Uh, I want to go to Seattle next interconference game here with two teams playing from the AFC and the NFC Titans 0-1 Seattle 1-0 Seattle minus six and a half total 54 and a hook the Titans gave up 416 yards to Murray in Arizona now you get Wilson in Seattle they're just a better version kind of of what Seattle does 
Uh, this is a bad look for the Titans if they fall to 0-2. The Seahawks played a complete game in week one. Seven yards per play, 10 hits on Carson Wentz. The Titans couldn't run the ball at all. This is going to be a very telling game about Mike Vrabel's bunch. Seattle minus six and a half looks juicy to me. It's a dangerous spot for Tennessee. I mean, you're going on the road, and you're right. That defense was atrocious. What was more surprising is that offensive line for Tennessee. I mean, Taylor Luan gives up five sacks. I know the guy's coming back from injury. Five sacks to Chandler Jones. I do think there's a little bit of an overreaction that now people are talking like the Titans are this horrible football team. Maybe Arizona's a little bit better than we thought as well. I don't think Tennessee wins this game, but I actually think it's a lot closer. You would think the Titans suddenly are, are going to miss the playoffs or something, the way people are, are talking. I think there's been a bit of an overreaction. That's a little look around the league. This is the Sunday spread on BetQL. Coming up next, it's the Pick 6. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. We'll get to our pick six for week two here in just a little bit. Uh, Grant, I'm headed up to your neck of the woods here. Uh, Sunday night football, Baltimore and Kansas City. I've never actually gone to a road NFL game as an opposing fan. I haven't been that guy in the stands wearing, in this case, I guess, a, uh, a Chiefs jersey or polo or whatever the heck the attire may be for the game on, on Sunday night. Uh, am I entering hostile territory here? Is this a good or bad decision on my part? Do I need to go undercover? Because I know there's some venues where it's not smart to go with the opposing team apparel. I think you'll be all right in Baltimore. It's not like you're a Steelers fan wearing a Roethlisberger jersey or a Browns fan with a Baker Mayfield sweater on. So I, I think you're in good shape. I mean, they have some hostility toward the Chiefs, I'm sure, some uh, anxiety about the game and, and some dislike for Patrick Mahomes because they – haven't been able to beat them, but I think inner division is where you got to worry a little bit. I went, the only time I've ever been to a game on the road as a fan wearing a jersey was I was a teenager. I went to yeah. New York, East Rutherford, the Meadowlands, uh, repping the uh, Washington football team, then the Redskins, and, and wore a Chris Cooley jersey. And I definitely had like water thrown at me at the end of the game by someone. All I was doing was minding my business and cheering for like the six first towns they got that day with Mark Brunella quarterback when they got blown out. So you're taking a, a small risk anytime you go to an NFL stadium, but I think you'll be all right. 
it's more leaving the stadium, right? Depending on the result. I mean, if, if the Ravens win, then like the heckling and all that, we, we, we can expect that. No problem with it. I'm not, I, I've never understood the thought of being the opposing fan with uh, the 70,000 uh, other home team fans and, uh, and you're talking a lot of smack to them. It never made a whole lot of sense to me. You're just slightly outnumbered. There's, there's certain venues where you, you got to be smart and uh, uh, maybe Baltimore won't be much of a problem whatsoever. All right, though, let's get to our pick six here in week two. The pick six. All right, you've got your three. I've got my three. I want to start with Green Bay and Detroit. We know Green Bay last week struggled, to say the least, against the New Orleans Saints team. It was a neutral site game down in Jacksonville, one of the worst performances we've seen from Aaron Rodgers. You have some disagreement even between Rodgers and his head coach yet again. Rodgers doesn't agree that it was an embarrassing game. They can't even agree on the wording of what to describe happened last week. I think on Monday Night Football, there's a big bounce-back performance here for Green Bay. They host the Detroit Lions at Lambeau. They were embarrassed last week by the Saints. Rodgers didn't suddenly, Grant, turn into a pumpkin and forget how to play football. This guy was an MVP prior to last game being played. I expect for them to look great, put up 30-plus against Detroit. And we also saw the Packers' defense is not all that good, and the Lions are capable of some garbage-time points. Unfortunately, they they hurt you a little bit last week in that 49ers game, and then the Lions now are without Jeff Akuda, who's got that Achilles injury. I mean, they, they really struggled against that 49ers wide receiving core, gave up nearly 19 yards of reception. I think plenty of points will be scored here. I really like the over in this one. Yeah, this is the ultimate get-right game for the Packers, right? You get your medicine now. You were sick last week. Something wasn't right. You didn't feel right. And now you get the beauty that is that Detroit defense, and you get to go sling the ball around against them if you're Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I love the over in this game. I, I see exactly where you're coming from. It's a lot of points, and that's why I'm staying off of the game in terms of picking Green Bay because I just got burned by Dan Campbell's team not quitting and battling until the end. Having said that, Green Bay should absolutely get going offensively. I think Devontae uh, Adams is going to have a big game through the air. And I would not be surprised at all if this wasn't a run-heavy game early for the Packers just to get Rodgers going, set up some play action. The Lions couldn't stop the run against San Francisco. didn't matter who it was. Eli Morgan, who we hadn't heard of before last week, went absolutely nuts. So Aaron Jones could have a big game as well. I'm Team Matt LaFleur, by the way. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is talking about. That was an embarrassing loss to the Saints. Right. Utterly yeah. embarrassing. But we're going to find out, like, how much did him not being around all offseason matter? I mean, if they're sputtering halfway through this game, if at halftime it's like 10 to 7 or 13 to 10 and they look like they're struggling again, then it could be a real thing that maybe, I don't know, being around your teammates for several months leading up to the season might actually be worth doing. And guys don't just do it for no reason every single year. The Packers a popular Survivor League pick, one of the most popular Survivor League picks because it does seem like the perfect get-right spot. I agree with you there. What else? Uh, what, what's your first pick here? I'm going back to the well on San Francisco. I like this number minus three. I just think the Eagles are being dramatically overvalued based on the fact that they looked so great against an Atlanta team that played as bad a football game as you can play. I went back before I decided to put my money where my mouth is on this game and I watched the full condensed version on Game Pass. And while there was a lot I liked about Philadelphia's performance, you know, a lot of it came easy. There weren't throws between the numbers for Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think San Francisco has no problem covering the minus three. 
I think that they stay balanced. We didn't really see the full release of the Trey Lance offense yet. He was on the field for five snaps, threw a touchdown on his only throw of the game. So there's a lot more tricks up the sleeve of Kyle Shanahan he didn't have to go to. They were just better in week one than people understand they were. And on the other side of this, I think the Eagles, it all came really easy, and this is going to be a very different test. So give me the 49ers. They're winning by four or more. Yeah, what does Jalen Hurts do against a much better football team and a much better defense? And you're, you're right about Kyle Shanahan offensively. It seems like it doesn't matter who they have back there in the backfield, and it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. And it's really, I mean, what's his job to lose at this point in time due to injuries? And I expect him to probably have a very nice showing against that Eagles defense. It's still uh, just the second game for Nick Sirianni as a head coach. And, he, man, there's, there's a big mismatch here just from the coaching level. Well, a couple of things, too. First of all, Kyle got that from his dad, right? Because you remember back in the day with Mike Anderson and Ruben Drones. And, yeah, Land you know, is scary. <laughs> absolutely. These random running backs would come out of nowhere to put up 1,000 yards. I mean, this is a tested offense over decades. Mike Shanahan, who I covered on the beat for four years, should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know how that hasn't happened yet. Uh, having said that, uh, to the other side of this, if Nick Sirianni and the Eagles can win, and San Francisco's sitting at 1-1, one and, one and, and the Eagles are 2-0 and oh in two games with a quality dub against the 49ers. To me, they become the front runners right away in the NFC East. This division is not that good. You've already seen Dallas drop a game they could have won since Lyle Collins lost to a suspension and Demarcus Lawrence out with an injury. Washington is very aggressively mediocre, it looks like, uh, with Taylor Heineke now at quarterback. And the New York Giants are 0-2, so... This is a massive opportunity for the Eagles if they can pull off the upset to establish themselves as a front runner just a couple of weeks after everyone thought they might be the worst team in their division. The next game in the pick six for me is involving those Dallas Cowboys that you just brought up. It's the Chargers on the road in Dallas. Chargers minus three. No Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Lyle Collins also. That Dallas defense was already bad enough before some of those absences I know the Chargers now have an injury of their own in Brian Bulaga. I mean, it really is a story every single season with the Chargers. They always have massive injuries. I thought they were going to be going to be healthy, but now it's Brian Bulaga who's headed to the IR. But the Dallas defense was shredded by, yes, it was Tom Brady, but shredded for 379 and, and, and gave up, what, 65% of the completions on balls thrown there by Tom Brady. I, I expect the Chargers and Justin Herbert, much like they did against the Washington football team, as you saw up close and personal there, Grant, a week or so ago. I think the Chargers and Justin Herbert have a big-time day offensively. I think Keenan Allen has a huge day against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'll, I'll rubber stamp all of that. First of all, you know Herbert is the real deal. This is one of the great quarterbacks in this league already as a sophomore. You know that from being in Kansas City and seeing him a couple times in the division last year. But they're going to be fine up front in this game, at least. I don't think Dallas, without Lawrence, poses much of a threat in terms of rushing the quarterback. Storm Norton was the guy that came off the bench to replace Brian Balaga at right tackle. He held up really well against Chase Young, who is a fine to really good pass rusher for Washington, the reigning defensive rookie of the year. Uh, the football team got 47% of their snaps pressure on Daniel Jones this past week. You go back one week earlier, they got 12% of snaps pressure on Justin Herbert. So the Chargers can protect him. They also get the ball out quickly. Keenan Allen, to your point, is fantastic, but he's not the only guy they throw the ball to. Jared Cook's coming off of a big week one at tight end who doesn't seem to age. Jalen Guyton is used really well in that offense. Uh, they have a former first-round pick and uh, a big fellow that is a big red zone threat there as well. 
in that wide receiver core and Mike Williams. So all they all the way around, I think this is just an offense that's poised to move the ball against Dallas. I'll take the over. I think this is a shootout. I think everybody gets theirs and the, the passing does game on going? both teams. Does, does Zeke get going finally? Because we all that was a huge story out of week one against the Bucs. And I know there wasn't an opportunity really for him to run anyway. And we talked about that last week a little bit. But like if Zeke goes another week and it's another you know, eight carry 40 yard day or something like that. I think there, there's going to continue to be plenty of conversations and it's warranted. Yeah. I think it's more like 15 for 70 something. I think he runs fairly effectively, but they throw it a lot more because that's what works in the league. And I think you can do that uh, in this game. I just think game script is going to dictate a lot of points and you got to keep up. Cause I think the chargers are going to be in the thirties in this game. Uh, my next game for you, I'm going to take a squad that, you know, very well, the Kansas city chiefs, Minus three and a half against the Baltimore Ravens. You know this from last week. I'm down on Baltimore, and I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel in, in that thinking, but the running back issues that they have are worrisome. More important to me, though, was after losing Marcus Peters defensively, I thought they were going to be a little bit of a mess in the secondary. Now, I didn't think it'd be the tune of Derek Carr carving him up for 400 yards or 500 yards for Las Vegas. But if you can't slow down Derek Carr in the Raiders passing game with kind of like Waller and not much else proven in the passing game, what's going to happen when Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and the speed of Miko Hardman and uh, Demarcus Robinson are all catching the football from Patrick Mahomes? So I think the Chiefs are going to be a move the ball with ease through the air. I think they're going to be able to put up over 30 points in this game. And I don't know that Baltimore can do that at this point. Lamar Jackson's an unbelievable talent. He's as fun a player to watch as there is in this league. But without the backs that they're now lacking, they're not ever going to be a throw first team. That's not how they're designed. That's not what they want to be. It's just not a good matchup for them. So I love the Chiefs in this spot. Go ahead and lock me in for this pick as well. That's my third and final one. Kansas City minus three and a half. You and I are in agreement here. I mean, this is, I mean, Lamar Jackson last year after a week three loss to Kansas City called the Chiefs uh, their kryptonite. Like he flat out admitted what probably Josh Allen and maybe Baker Mayfield are feeling as well. But he said it out loud and all those injuries, even more so than a week ago. It's incredible how, how they've been hit with these injuries. Now they're starting left tackle and Ronnie Stanley is not going to play. Their other option would have been Orlando Brown Jr., but guess what? They traded him to Kansas City in the offseason, and so they're stuck with Villanueva, who was terrible against Max Crosby last week in the Raiders as the right tackle. He shifts over to left tackle now, and the Chiefs are fully healthy. Frank Clark did not play week one. He's going to play in this game, so you're going to have Frank Clark and Chris Jones both there as edge rushers in this football game. I think, you know, your, your point about Lamar Jackson is accurate. He's going to get his. He's a dynamic playmaker. He's probably going to have 80-plus yards rushing in this football game. But I, I don't know how the Ravens slow down Patrick Mahomes. They are a blitzing football team. That's their M.O. That's how they play. It's what's been successful for Wink Martindale. Patrick Mahomes, though, is one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz and football. It's just a bad matchup. All these years we've had a chance to see the Ravens and Chiefs match up, and maybe they're the, the big contender that could be in the way from Kansas City. Their problem is they just don't match up well because of how they play defensively, not to mention it's a Ravens team coming off of Monday Night Football on the road. And as we know, you only cover about 43% of the time when you are going into the following week. And so that, I'm trying to figure out what we're both missing here, Grant, because three and a half just seems like we're stealing. Yeah, I think it's the track record where the Ravens have been outstanding. I mean, you're talking about two teams over the last two but years. But not against Kansas that are, City. That's what's surprising, man. Like, understood, that, that's but so there's still the expectation. It's 51-13 and 13 combined record for these two teams. And I think, in general, the thought is 
these are two elite teams that are going to play each other close. But it was a 14-point game, to your point, 34-20 when they met last year. I'll be really quick so we can get to some studs here in, in a moment. But I've got my third pick as being New England minus six. Here's the, the, the whole matchup is up front for me. The Jets without Makai Becton now at left tackle. They're going to kick George Fant over, I would guess, who really struggled at right tackle. I don't like that at all. Morgan Moses coming off the bench now at right tackle should be fine. But Zach Wilson got sacked six times last week. I think the Patriots can get home. And I just sometimes will make picks based on how I think seasons are going to go as well. I have a hard time thinking the Patriots are going to go 0-2 out of the shoot here. I like them to ultimately be over 500. I think this is a landing spot for them to get win number one. So give me them to cover minus six. I'm with you there. Mac Jones going to get his first win as a starting quarterback. Those are some of the teams we like. How about the players? Let's get to our Sunday studs. The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs. All right, I'm going to that Cleveland and Houston Texans game. Uh, prop that I really like here. How about Nick Chubb under 18 and a half rushing attempts? He had 15 carries last week against Kansas City. He only went over that 18 and a half rushing attempt mark five times all of last season. This game could get out of hand, but the Browns also, as we know, have Kareem Hunt making 19 carries seem like an awfully lot for me. I'm going to go to the Vikings and the Cardinals for my Sunday stud. Dalvin Cook over 22 and a half receiving yards, and I think this is easy money here. My logic, Arizona had a five-sack performance from Chandler Jones and feasted in their pass rush. Minnesota cannot really protect Kirk Cousins right now, so I think the ball's got to be out quick, some design screens to slow them down. Cook's going to go over 22 and a half receiving. Yeah, Dalvin Cook disappointed me last week. I'm just sour on Dalvin Cook. I was expecting him to be the week one leading rusher, if you remember from our Hail Mary last week. Grant, disappointing hey, you out can't hold Dalvin grudges Cook. when you're making bets. You know better than that, Gold. <laughs> Those are our Sunday studs. Coming up next, we take a look and spotlight some of the big games in week two. Get the table set for all your pro football wagering needs. You're listening to the Sunday Spread on the BetQL Network with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. We'll get to our Hail Mary before we hand things off here on the BetQL Network. It's week two of the NFL season. The Sunday Spread here. It's time to spotlight of the week a few games starting with the buffalo bills and the miami dolphins the bills three and a half point favorites on the road against the dolphins that total at 47 and a half the dolphins plus 156 grant on the money line this is a massive game as you said for the buffalo bills and josh allen after last week a surprising loss to the pittsburgh steelers i think the game wasn't a surprise in how close it was but that offense for Josh Allen, it just looked completely different from what we had seen at the end of last season, a surprising uh, offensive performance. I don't know if it is the fact that they need to be able to get uh, Stephon Diggs going a little bit more out of the gate in this football game, but I expect this to be a game where Buffalo looks more like the Buffalo Bills that we continue to think are one of those top-tier contenders in all of football and certainly a top-tier contender in the AFC, and I think they get back on track down in Miami. Yeah, there's nobody on Miami's defense, in my opinion, that's going to give you what T.J. Watt does to deal with up front. He had multiple sacks for the Steelers and at times took over. Uh, similarly, I was blown away by the impact Melvin Ingram had in his first game with Pittsburgh. Those guys kind of wrecked the game, in my opinion. The Steelers' defense 
dramatically undervalued coming into the season. I think the story in week one was more good Steelers than it was bad Bills. You know, sometimes we look to blame or to try to find a reason why, well, maybe Josh Allen was overrated and maybe it was just a one-hit wonder. No, Pittsburgh's really good defensively. And I think the demise that everybody talked about for the Steelers was greatly exaggerated coming into the year, and we're going to find that as this season goes. But specific to Buffalo and Allen, they do have some questions to answer. He's got to be sharper with the football, 30 of 51 passing. They actually stayed on the field. They were 8 of 18 on third down. They sustained some drives. They ran 79 plays against Pittsburgh. The problem was efficiency. Nothing came easy. They couldn't get anything down the field. Nothing came in chunks. They averaged 4.7 yards per play in that loss. They had 22 first downs, though. I mean, have 22 first downs and have fewer than 20 points is somewhat odd. It means that something didn't go right when you got into the red area. and They ended up settling for three field goals. So I think this is a much different matchup against a team that isn't quite as good in Miami. And you don't have to deal for a second straight week with a quarterback that's going to beat you. Roethlisberger at this point is a little bit jaggy to me. He's just the guy running a pretty standout offense with weapons. And I think Tua Tungabailoa, similarly, uh, is someone that Miami is going to be looking to move on from at the end of the year if he doesn't start to look a lot better. I like the Bills in this spot. I think they get their first win. Three and a half is about right for me. I see this as a seven or so point game, maybe like a 27 to 20 tilt. Uh, I like Buffalo here, but they need this badly. I mean, it's crazy to already be talking about, you know, ha- have to have type of games. But I'm with you if you if we really believe the Bills big picture have a chance to be one of those top seeds in the AFC. You can't afford to, to be sitting there at 0-2. That already puts you in. Yes, you have a head-to-head later on in the season if you're the Bills against Kansas City. I think it's week five. But the Bills would put themselves in a really tough spot already because of that. I think they get right on the road here. I just don't know if Miami has enough offensively. I know you mentioned 27-24. I I, yeah, I don't know how Miami gets more than 21 points or so in this game. I think the Bills bounce back in, in, in a big way. You brought up Tua. You think they won in spite of him last week. What, 16 to 27, 202 yards, a touchdown, and, and an interception. They didn't have a great running game going for them against New England. Miles Gaskin was was okay. He was he was average, nine carries, right, 48 yards or so in the, in, in the game. I think they have to have a better rushing attack this week because I'm with you. I don't know if Tua is that quarterback – that can go and win a football game for you. Last year, they had that luxury of having Ryan Fitzpatrick that could go lead a game-winning drive. That doesn't exist anymore. And and I think they're going to have to put up too many points to hang with Josh Allen. The Bills are going to bounce back offensively this week. I don't see them being put down two weeks in a row. And I'm I'm with you on the the Steelers point that you made as well, Grant, where that was a team that everybody forgot about. I think the Steelers will will possibly start 2-0. We'll get to that Steelers and, and Raiders game here as well as we continue our Sunday spotlight. Let's look at that one because it's the Raiders on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Pittsburgh is six-and-a-half-point favorites. The total at 46-and-a-half. The Raiders plus 225 on the money line. We know Josh uh, Jacobs not going to play in this game. He wasn't a factor in the win against Baltimore anyway, but he's inactive for this game uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am never going to believe that Derek Carr is capable of, of going and winning a big time road game for the most part. I'm just, maybe that's me watching him in the AFC West all this year. I am just think he is a average quarterback in this league. Yes. In the second half, he did what he needed to do, but there were mistakes on the Ravens part as well. A depleted secondary. I don't know what on earth 
was going on with Zay Jones being wide open on and why Wink Martindale decided to, to bring the house. That, to me, made zero sense whatsoever. I, I just look at the Raiders. They, to me, are a team that typically fools a lot of people early on in the season and people start to buy into them. I think it happened in week one. People now are believing they have a chance to go beat Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh wins this game. I like Pittsburgh, in fact, minus the, the six and a half in this game against the Las Vegas Raiders. You cannot target one player as much as the Raiders did and have success against a defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and that's why I think in a week-to-week league, you're not going to see that kind of a game plan where Darren Waller's getting 19 targets. He'll probably get a dozen, and he should, by the way. He should get double-digit targets every single week. That guy is an absolute animal who can't be defended. I mean, he is a fantastic talent and one of the best stories in the National Football League. Uh, I like the Steelers minus six and a half here only because of the short week and the road trip for the Raiders after being at home, Allegiant Stadium, Monday Night Football. One of my quirks during the season, one of the things I like as a better is generally that you get overvalued when you play great in primetime, so check on that. And the other is if you played on Monday and then you're going and playing on Sunday, it can be difficult sometimes if you have to travel and, and go uh, play elsewhere. So for those reasons, those are working against the Raiders. I will tell you that my concern in this, and the reason I'm staying off the game and didn't make it one of my big picks here, was Pittsburgh's offense is going to lack some firepower early this season. So six and a half, even though it doesn't seem huge, is a decent number for them to actually have to cover because I don't see Ben Roethlisberger stringing together like 350 yards and three touchdowns a bunch of times. Uh, I think they have great weapons. Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay yeah. Johnson, Chase Claypool. They should be in the market this offseason for a quarterback to come in there and make them an upper echelon offense. But I just don't see that right now with Roethlisberger at his age. He missed a lot of things, I thought, in week one. So six and a half is a big number, but because of the, the prime time portion of this, I think they can cover it. Yeah, it's what, 47% of the time in that exact scenario you brought up, teams cover after a Monday night football game. I know they were the home team on Monday night, so it's not as bad as the position the, the Ravens are in, but I'm with you on that. Thinking of the Baltimore Ravens, they host Kansas City Sunday night football. It's a primetime slate. Kansas City's won eight straight primetime games. We, we hit on this game a little bit earlier about – Baltimore and all the injuries. I mean, I, at some point, man, you just you can't overcome those. It was already going to be a tough matchup to begin with. This was a game that Ravens fans and Chiefs fans really had had circled. It's a it's a massive matchup between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. These are two of highlight reel type of players, and that's what the billing is going to be throughout the day on Sunday. But looking at Baltimore defensively, they're just they're just a bad matchup, Grant. The way they play and coaches typically aren't willing to change something as drastic as what Wink Martindale, I think, would have to do, which is be willing to sit back a little bit, which, by the way, can still hurt you. I'm not saying that's like the way to fully beat Kansas City. It's just if you're going to blitz Patrick Mahomes, they are going to carve you up. I think this is a big spot for McCall Hardman, actually. Martindale mentioning that, you know, you got to stop Kelsey and Hill. I think we all realize that. But McCall Hardman has had multiple games of about, you know, 80-plus uh, yards receiving in the last two matchups. So look for McCall Hardman to have a nice game. Yeah, I like that. I mean, his over is an easy one because the number is pretty low. And if you look at the second half of the Raiders game, when they really got going against the Ravens, it was some of their secondary options, right? It was Brian Edwards and, and throwing the ball to Hunter Renfro. And it wasn't just the Waller show as their primary target. So that's worth noting. I, I like that. 
Uh, I just I would hammer overs on just about everything I could, Chiefs, this weekend. I don't understand <laughs> how Baltimore's yeah. defense would slow them down. Having just watched them, and I know we're always going to be skeptical, or again, we're going to put too much weight into what we just saw on national TV. If that was a one o'clock game on a Sunday, maybe there's a little bit different feel, and, and it's not as dramatic. But that defense was so bad against the Raiders and Derek Carr that I'm looking at an offense that's a machine here that was 9 of 13 on third down, that put up 397 yards without breaking a sweat. I mean, that you never thought they were going to lose that game against the Browns, and they were down like 9 in the third quarter or 12 in the third quarter or 9 in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. Everything comes easy for them. So you got Hill coming off a buck 97. He's going to go for 100. You got Kelsey coming off 76. I think he tops that. Uh, I just I, I think it's going to be an, a pitch and catch kind of day for the Chiefs against this Ravens defense, which is already banged up and coming off of a tough game on a short week. Yeah, first half bet is also one to keep an eye on. The, the last three, the Ravens been outscored by more than 13 points in the first half, last three meetings with Kansas City. Before we wrap things up here on the Sunday spread, we call it our Hail Marys of the week. All right. Now time for the Hail Mary. Let's take you to a game and multiple games here for a long shot bet of the week. You mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. You don't see him throwing for 350. Grant, I don't need him to throw for 350. How about give me 250 at least? Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Ben Roethlisberger, each to have 250 or more passing yards. It's plus 500 over at FanDuel. 250. 250 is all we need here. I think the Bills, as we talked about, bounce back in a big way offensively, and I think Big Ben has no problem. I actually like these kind of bets where you can combine and parlay some players at the same position together for a yardage total. So I'm going to follow you down this path. FanDuel's got this at plus 700. Christian McCaffrey, Damian Harris, Nick Chubb go for 100 yards. I've got two of those three teams winning, so game script could allow for a bunch of carries in the fourth quarter for Chubb and for Harris. McCaffrey's the one I'm a little more worried about, but it's a Hail Mary. I'm chucking it into the end zone. I'm hoping somebody <laughs> comes right. down with it. Plus 700 for those three backs to all go for a bill and hit the century mark. Yeah, Damian Harris is the only one. I, the Damian Harris to me is the one that, that, that's gonna, that hopefully doesn't bite you there. That's the only one for me that I, makes me a little bit nervous. Other than that, like they all look good, right? They all look good at the time. You're like, ah, plus, plus, we said plus 700 for that. He ran well last week. If not for that fumble, I think he'd be a, a story this week, how involved in that offense he was. Good luck here in week two. It's been the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold on BetQL. Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.